I'd like to recognize, uh, first of all, let me say Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's really great to be back. I didn't know if we were going to be able to get back from Rio Dosa. We hit some ice on the way back, but I'm very thankful that uh, we were able to, to be here. I want to recognize a special guest who's here with us this morning. Uh, Dr. Ron Henderson is here, uh, our district superintendent of the uh, North Central District. Ron, would you stand? Let's give him a welcome. Ron is a powerful symbol of our connection with the United Methodist Church, and that's one of the things I've always appreciated, that we're a part of a worldwide connection that extends throughout the world, uh, not just here in Texas, but throughout the United States and Europe and Asia and Latin America and Africa and throughout the entire world. And the connection reminds us that we can do far more working together than we can individually. So thank you for being here with us, Ron. And... Um, we welcome you here. Today, as was mentioned earlier, through the children's message and um, through the singing and through the announcements, today is Epiphany Sunday. It's not just Epiphany Sunday, though. It's also the day of Epiphany, January the 6th. It's a special day. And as you saw with the children's message, it's the day traditionally set aside in which we recognize when the Magi, the three kings came and followed the star and found Jesus in Bethlehem. They were led by a bright star, but what they found at the end of their trek was a light much brighter than that star, the light of the world in Jesus Christ. And you know, epiphany is an interesting word. It's a word that means manifestation or revelation. And in the season of epiphany, we find that Jesus is revealed to us in his glory, through his teachings, as well as through his miracles. And as one biblical scholar has pointed out, Jesus' words interpret his deeds, and his deeds are a reflection of his words. So there's a consistency there between his actions and his words. That's one of the reasons why he's the light of the world. Epiphany also is a season of light. It's the season of light. Well, with that in mind, I want to talk about light this morning. But I want to talk about more about how Jesus calls us to be lights shining in a dark world. With Jesus, the light of our world, as our source of light. So with that in mind, let us join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, the church through the centuries has had a love affair with light. We light candles even when it's not dark. Our own denominational logo is the cross and the flame. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, we're called to be lights in this world. But what does it mean to be a light in today's world? Well, this morning, very briefly, I'd like to make three observations about what it means to be a light today. So, I want to make very, three very brief observations about what it means for us to be a light shining in the world today. And as usual, if you'd like to follow along, there's a sermon outline printed in your bulletin for your convenience. 
Fill in the blanks, take it home, consider what God may be saying to you, or you can follow along with the PowerPoint presentation. So let's begin with the first observation of what it means to be a light in the world today. First of all, our lights are lit from an outside source. First of all, our lights are lit from an outside source. You know, it takes a power plant to furnish, furnish us with electricity. It takes matches to light a candle. Now, before the days of matches, producing a spark was a complicated process that involved rubbing stones together. You see, light bulbs don't shine on their own. Candles don't glow by themselves. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. In a heated discussion with the religious authorities, Jesus said and declared, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, we're not self-ignited. We're not the source of light. We don't shine on our own. No, that light must come from beyond us. It comes from beyond us. So let me ask you this question this morning. Will you let the Holy Spirit ignite your flame? Will you let the Holy Spirit ignite your flame? That's a good question for New Year's, for this first Sunday in New Year's. Oh, that we who call ourselves United Methodist would live up to our logo. This little light of mine, am I going to let it shine? And that brings us to the second observation that I'd like to make about being a light in today's world. Second, our lights are meant to shine. Our lights are meant to shine. Listen to this teaching of Jesus. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, light is not meant to be hidden. But you know, light was hard to come by in first century Palestine. There was no electricity. There were no matches. Not at all. There was none of that. And you know, you never put out the light casually. When you left your home, for safety reasons, you put the oil lamp underneath the bowl, and the room would darken until your return. And so that's, that's what would happen. You know, light is not meant to be hidden forever. Not at all. Light is meant to shine. And darkness can only exist in the absence of light. It can only exist in the absence of light. You know, it's one thing to curse the darkness. It's quite another to light a candle. We can rant and rave about corruption in high places and poverty in low places. We can abhor violence in all places and injustice in many places. But you know, the real question this morning is not why is there darkness, 
The question is, where is the light? Where is the light? If we're the light of the world, as Jesus says, then why aren't we shining? Why aren't we shining? Maybe it's time to turn up the lights. You know, instead of holding political rallies, the church would do well to shine the love of Christ into the darkest corners of our world. Think about that. That's what we should be about. And that's what we should be doing. In between the steps, is your light shining? In between the steps, is your light shining? Let me explain what I mean. A university professor was invited to speak at a military base one December. He was met at the airport by an unforgettable soldier named Ralph. And this is the professor's story. After we introduced ourselves to each other, we headed for the baggage claim area. But Ralph kept disappearing. He kept disappearing. First, he stopped to help an older woman with her baggage. Then he stopped to lift up two toddlers to see Santa Claus. And again, he paused to give directions to someone who was lost. Finally, I said, where did you learn that? Where did you learn that? Learn what, Ralph asked. Where did you learn to live like that? Ralph replied, during the war, I was in Vietnam. My job was to clear out the minefields. You never knew when your next step might be your last. So, I learned to live between the steps. I learned to live between the steps. Folks, that's what we're called to do. To live between the steps. To shine our light wherever we go and with whomever we meet. This little light of mine, am I going to let it shine? And that brings us to the third and final observation I'd like to make about being a light in today's world. Third and finally, our lights must give themselves for the cause. Third and finally, our lights must give themselves for the cause. Candles melt, bulbs burn out, the sun sets. To everything there's a season and a purpose for everything under heaven. You know, burnout seems to be one of the buzzwords of our day, doesn't it? Discouraged people burn out. Self-centered people burn out. Self-sufficient people burn out. Unprepared people burn out. Jesus once addressed that. Jesus once told a parable about five wise virgins and five foolish virgins who were attending a wedding. The five wise virgins had sufficient oil. The five foolish virgins ran out of oil. And in their frantic effort to replenish their supply, they missed the party. They missed the party. Folks, when we run out of fuel, we burn out. It's just that simple. We burn out. I can't take it anymore, George lamented. Everyone wants a piece of me and there's only so much to go around. Ever heard that before? We know something about burnout, don't we? So, the question is this. 
How can we add more years to our life and more life to our years? Let me repeat that. How can we add more years to our life and more life to our ears, our years? You know what the secret is? The secret is really quite simple. Christ must increase, but we must decrease. Let Christ increase while we decrease. Do you know that that simple maxim is the secret to living a successful spiritual life? That's the secret to living a spirit-filled life. When we relinquish control and we allow Christ the center place in our life. That's what it means to live a spirit-filled life. There's less of us and more of Jesus Christ. We set aside our agendas and seek Christ's agenda and Christ's will. And sometimes that's hard to do because we get so wrapped up in what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. You know, that's what John the Baptist did. Think about it. When competition broke out between John's disciples and the disciples of Jesus, John stepped in and said what? He must increase, but I must decrease. He's the bridegroom. I'm just an attendant. You see, that's the way we're to live our lives. We're to give our lights for the cause. We're to let Christ increase while we decrease. That's the secret to a spirit-filled and a spiritual life, quite simply. That's probably the simplest way of understanding it. Christ must increase, but we must decrease. There's an old saying that I've quoted many times before, and you've heard it before. But it goes like this. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But you know, Jesus put it a little bit differently. He said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, the church may be the only institution in society today encouraging people to live beyond self-centeredness. Think about that. But you know, it's not enough to just talk about it. Talk is cheap. We've got to live it. We've got to demonstrate it through the way in which we live our lives. We can talk about the love of Christ, but if we're not living it, if we're not tearing down walls and barriers and reaching out to other people, then it's just words, what we're saying. We've got to live it. We've got to live it. You see, we're to be the selfless lights of Christ shining in a dark, selfish world. Let me repeat that. We're to be the selfless lights of Christ shining in a dark, selfish world. This little light of mine, am I going to let it shine? Well, in conclusion, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Is your light hiding or shining? Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen.